Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Combine our faith right now, Lord God, and we just send it to her as she's laying in the hospital, Lord God, that your grace would be upon her life and that you would, we would see, Lord God, your mercy fulfilled in her life, Lord God. And we just pray, Lord God, for Bill. We pray, God, for your peace upon him, God, that you just would visit with him. God, that the seeds, God, that, that are in his heart, that he knows that are of you, Lord God, that they would just spring forth and he would be reminded of who you are and he would be reminded of your grace and your goodness, Lord God. And we just thank you, God, for what you're doing in this precious couple. And we just give you praise, we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> My PowerPoint's not working. Maybe I'll do that one. There we go. Got to push the right button. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We shall see. No signal. It's okay. <laughs> what am I going to do? Not right now. doesn't matter. It's okay. Um, I just want to say thank you to everybody for praying for me. Um, yeah. 9.30 last, 9.30 last Saturday night, I was ready to go, had my PowerPoint set to Jason, had my notes all ready to go, snuggling down for a nice uh, even, uh, nice night's rest so that I could preach, and yeah, it's like Shay says, it's all of a sudden you're normal, 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 and then bam, instant death. And there's the stomach, the stomach virus. Amy called me and said, I don't feel good, but it's like, eh, she's pregnant. What else is new? She doesn't feel good, you know, who knows? But then about, she called me at 9.30 and about 10 o'clock, boom, hits me. And so 6 o'clock I go, I'm going to do this. I can do this. I'd been up all night and, not, and getting sick and all that. And I thought, nope, we're going to do this because it's like, I don't want to have to put it off because I knew I was singing and, you know, lyrics and microphones and all that business. And it's like, uh. And I got up and I started taking a shower and I got halfway through and nope, not happening. Just not happening. So I appreciate your prayers. I laid in bed. I laid in bed, took the next day off, and I'm alive. <laughs> we, we survived. <laughs> Let me try something up here. See if my, and if it works, it works. If not, if not, and then I don't know, can you take it? Okay, he's telling me to do this. All right, unable, unable to connect. I don't know what's going on. Do you want to come get my phone? Anyways, it don't matter. Um, my message today is on worship. Oh, and I missed my slide, my opening slide. <laughs> That's okay. God, because God knows. God knows what's going on. The enemy knows what's going on, too. First service, we had a couple major glitches in, in, in our worship. But you know what? That's okay, because we're not here to perform. We're here to worship God. And that's what I want to talk about today, is I want to talk about worshiping. Worshiping in spirit and in truth. Um, if you saw Facebook, we got some action here. If you saw Facebook uh, last week at some point in time, there was a, yes, yay. Let's hear it for Jason and the sound crew, yay. He speaks technology. It runs in his blood, <laughs> in his blood, not mine. <laughs> and so, um, yes, we're going to talk about worshiping in spirit and in truth. And if you, um, if you have Facebook and you saw our Facebook page, this was up there. Andrew found this, this graphic a couple weeks ago, and this was up there last week. And it's called, the, you know, the brain of a worshiper. And, and this is how some people's brains are wired, you know. We thank God at this place in the brain, and that, you know, this is stimulated. Raise hands. Look at the purple one. Sing like no one's listening. And that's how we need to worship. Just sing like no one's listening. We perform to an audience of one, and that is God, and that is, well, that is heaven. We perform for heaven. We don't perform for anybody else. And so um, the one that I like the best is the yellow one. Hope they do another bridge. 
That's my favorite part, you know? Every time I choose a song, I say, well, what kind of a bridge does it have? And what can we do in the bridge? Because the bridge is just like, that's my favorite part. <laughs> you know, I told Jay, I says, we should just string together a whole line of bridges, you know? All of our favorite songs and all the bridges of our favorite songs, you know? But sometimes there's people that say, well, I'm not wired that way. And I don't like to worship, or I don't, eh, worship. Isn't that the time for us to just come in late? That just gives us that buffer zone so that we can hear the preaching. I've been hearing that all my life. <laughs> eh. Or the time that we need to go catch up in the back with voices so loud that my neighbor can hear us and that we can hear you on stage with the headphones on. Oh, sorry. Oh, now I'm meddling. We're on the front row. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> you think we have, we, never mind. I can't go there. You say, I'm not wired that way. But guess what? The Bible says you are. The Bible says that we are wired to worship in one way or another. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that he is looking for us. When we get to heaven, what's going to be happening? 24-7 worship. That's what's going to happen. And so a lot of times that's a, a common cop-out for us to say, well, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not wired that way. Well, guess what? After today, you're going to figure out that you are wired that way. Hallelujah. Because God has called us to worship in spirit and in truth. God wants to bring us into a greater relationship and a greater dimension of his presence in order to increase what he is doing both on the earth and here in our area. You know, you don't have to, unless you're living under a rock, you, uh, you know, you don't have to look very far to see that we are living in different times. Things are different. Things that we have a different feel. We have, you know, things are different everywhere. Okay, and things are different spiritually. We have a different feel spiritually. And if you listen to any kind of preaching on TV or podcasts or YouTube or wherever you listen to preaching that's current, they're saying the current word for today is the fact that we are heading straight long, headlong into the next great awakening, which is what this nation needs. This nation needs for it for a, a new awakening. Okay, what that is, is that's not, that's an awakening in the church, and it's a revival of souls. It's for the church body to get our acts together, kind of, in some way, and to kind of shake ourselves and say, wait a minute, we need to be paying attention. We need to be paying attention that God wants to do something different. God wants to do something new. God wants to do something in our area, in our church, in our workplaces, um, in our homes, in our kids. You know, instead of sitting by, you know, a lot of times we would sit, we, we, I see, talk to people who are just, their hands are tied and they're watching their kids go to hell in a handbasket. And it's like, you know what? It's time for us to say, no, not on my watch. Not on my watch. We're going to make sure that these kids get to heaven. We're going to make sure that we know who God is in their lives. It's time for the church to awaken to a new reality of who God is. You know, John made the statement a few weeks ago. He says, I'm so sick and tired of doing church. Me too. Man, my whole life, my, literally my whole life. My dad got saved when I was a baby. And my whole entire life has been revolved, has revolved around church and doing church. I've done enough church. I want to experience the presence of God. I want to experience a new dimension of what God has because this is old. I'm telling you what, this gets old. Not you guys. But the exercise of going to church. Get up, go to church, you know. All of that, if it doesn't have meaning, if it doesn't feed our soul, if it doesn't minister to our spirits and ignite our spirits, then it's not what we need. If it doesn't bring the presence of God down, if it's not transforming grace, hope, transformation, it means something. It has to mean something. And so as a body, we've been pressing in. We've been pressing in for more. 
A couple of weeks ago, we had a great time during our monthly Wednesday night worship service. And when it was over, the Lord gave one of our intercessors, uh, Nathan, gave him a word for us. And he says, the stranglehold that has been on our worship as a congregation has been broken. Hang on. And I still spilled it. The stranglehold that has been on our worship as a congregation has been broken. Because what you don't realize is that many, many years ago, we made an agreement, a wrong agreement with, a, with some, someone, something, that we were going to tone down our worship. We were going to, you know, maybe not pursue Holy Spirit as intently as we should. And yeah we apologize. I apologize. We're so sorry. And we have been repenting and saying, God, we're so sorry that we let it go down that path. And so, but what it did was it opened up a door for this lid to be put on our worship. Now, thankfully, what's been happening is our worship team and and Jason Jason and our team of people, we've said, no, we're not going to settle for that. We're not, and we started, we've been contending for more. You know that God is a supernatural being. He is an infinite being. He's an infinite being. We will never see the completeness of God. Well, that's God. God will never look at you and say, well, that's all I got. (laughs) He's an infinite being. And as long as we have breath in our bodies, as long as we're in these fleshly bodies, we need to be pursuing him. We, need to, need to, we don't need to say, oh, I've had enough. Have you ever done that? Thanksgiving. We feel like, oh, we go to Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. We go to Thanksgiving and we say, oh, my gosh. We eat and eat and eat and say, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm never going to eat again. Oh, Lord, am I never going to eat again. I'm never having cookies again, by the way, after last week. Ugh. Not good. Cookies before bedtime? Ugh, nope. Don't work out. Um, but you know, we, we always do eat again. We always get hungry. Our spirit man's the same way. We can't ever say, oh, I'm, you know, that's okay. I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm tapped out. Capped up. That's it. Full. No, our spirit, we're, we're leaky vessels. And we need more and more and more of what God has to offer. And so... Over the past few years, we have been experiencing a greater, greater measure of God's presence. But lately, we really have been pressing in for more. And so today what I want to do is give a simple lesson on worship, not only to remind us that those of us that do worship remind us to keep pressing in, to go further, but then also to help those that maybe are new to worship or that's like, like I said, you're not wired. I'm not wired for worship. You are. You just don't realize it. God made you that way. God made you that way. Okay. So let's go all the way back to, let's go to the dictionary, dictionary dictionary.com. The meaning of worship is to adore, idolize, to esteem worthy, to bring reverence or homage. The author Gordon Dahl says, most middle-class Americans tend to worship their work, to work at their play, and to play at their worship. Hmm. Hmm. Worship is a heartfelt communication with our Heavenly Father. And our worship to God can be so much more. I want to start off with, in the book of John, John chapter 4, if you're taking notes. John chapter 4 is the the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And this is a familiar portion of scripture, but I need to set the context for just a second because there's a lot that goes on at the beginning before it gets to our, our text. And, you know, Jesus is going from Judea to Galilee. He's returning to Galilee, and he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to a Samaritan village and um, decided he was tired, and there was a place called Jacob's Well, okay? Jacob was from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, okay? So his name also became Israel. He was the father of the nation, and so it's a place called Jacob's Well. This was where Jacob had dwelled. This is where he had lived, and Abraham and Isaac, you know, Isaac had given him this well, and so this, had, this was a place of history, 
lots of history for both the Samaritans and the Jews. And so this Samaritan woman, she came up, and it was about noon, so the disciples said, man, we're hungry, so we're going to go get something to eat. Do you want anything? And Jesus says, whatever, just bring me something. And so they went to go get something to eat, and he sat there, and here comes this woman, and he looks at her, and he says, I want, can you give me something to drink? And he starts up a conversation. Now, let me give you some background information. Um, historians place the Samaritans in Israel after the exile to Babylon. They claim, um, some claim that the Samaritans are remnants of the exile that got left behind. But others claim that they're just people that came in and took over the land and then married into these little remnants that got left behind. And so as the, when the, after 70 years were passed and the Israelites come back from exile and they go back to rebuild um, the temple and they're rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem and Nehemiah, they come against, you know, these other people. They'd been there for 70 years. And so it's like, wait a minute, this is our home. And they said, you know, they squatted for 70 years. <laughs> and so they go, this is our home. And the Jews said, nope, this is our land. And you, you know, there was... If you look in the book of Nehemiah, you have the guys like Sanballat and Tobias and those guys that are resisting them coming back in. And so ever since then, there was contention between the Samaritans and the Jews because the Samaritans say, well, we're of Jewish descent. Our father, Jacob, Jacob was our father too. And, but the Jews said, yeah, but we're chosen ones. You know, we're the chosen ones. And, and so there was this contention going back and forth between the two for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And then here's Jesus and the Samaritan woman sitting at the well. And that's why the Jews didn't like the Samaritans and the Samaritans didn't like the Jews. And so, um, so here's Jesus to shake, shaking things up. And he starts the conversation by asking for water. This woman gives him an attitude, mentioning that, yep, she doesn't fail to mention that he's a Jew, she's a Samaritan, you know, why are you even talking to me type thing. But then he tells her about living water, and that piques her interest. So then he says, go get your husband. And, of course, we know how she answers, that she's not married. And he goes, that's right, you've had five husbands, and the guy you're living with is not even your husband right now. And it's then that she diverts to a different subject. I love how she just says, okay, let's take a, let's take a turn here. <laughs> let's not talk about that. And so she talks about worship. And she says, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? While well, we Samaritans claim it is here in Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worship. This is our father Jacob's well, our father, your father, our father Jacob's well. This is where we worship. This is where he worshiped. It's good enough for him. It's good enough for us. And that was the contention between the two. The Jews said, no, Jerusalem. And so, you know, it's a difference between the law and then the Samaritan's interpretation of the law, okay? Does that sound familiar? That kind of is carried off in today's day and age, isn't it? And so let's look at John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. And Jesus says, but the time is coming. Because he, he doesn't want to discuss semantics at this point in time, okay? He just says, let's get to the heart of it. The time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And it was an important enough point to make that he had to say it again. He said, the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him, <clears throat> excuse me, must worship him in spirit and in truth. And I've been intrigued by this my whole life. I grew up with worship. I grew up, um, my, you know, my, my dad got saved when I was really little bitty, and church has been our whole life like I said before, and, you know, we were raised on gospel quartets. Let me hear it for the quartets. Yay! Until the 80s came along. No. <laughs> we, li we listen to gospel quartets all the time, record player, um, you know, all that. And uh, we were in church three times a week and every, every night of revival, and we were singing the songs, and we sang the hymns, and all of that. And so there were times when my sister and I, my older sister and I, we would be out on the swing set on our property, and we would start singing songs, just singing worship to Jesus, singing, singing hymns. We didn't realize that we were worshiping, but we were singing hymns and singing and swinging. <laughs> 
I have to move on. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so we would ask our pastor every once in a while if we could sing a special. Here we were, we, when we would practice on the swing set outside, because I don't know if mom wanted us to sing inside. Did we sing inside? Oh, okay. <laughs> she must not have heard us. <laughs> so we would practice, and we would sing. Um, you know, we'd get a song all practiced up, and we'd go to the pastor, and we'd ask if we could do a special. And he was gracious enough, and everybody was gracious enough, to hear these little, you know, 8- and 10-year-old little girls singing a song, you know, singing a song for Jesus. And so we would sing one of the hymns or, or whatever. You know, we usually would sing one of the hymns, and, and they would humor us. But it wasn't until I became an adult that... Um, Somebody heard me singing and, and said, wow, you can sing. And I was like, I can? <laughs> okay. All right. I just would like to sing. And, you know, I know I like to sing. Because how many of you know it's a difference between you, know, you singing and you being able to sing? There's a difference. And so they said, oh, you can sing. Oh, can I? And so from there, I got to where I, you know, later, you know, we... We would practice, and I would get on the worship team, joined a band. Uh, that was kind of cringy. <laughs> a, a, a praise band, a worship band, you know, and, uh, but it was still cringy. And we would, you know, I joined a band, and then later on I was on the worship team, and then we'd sing, and, and you know, it's developed into what, what it is today. As, and it still is just an expression of, of my worship to him. And, and thankfully, you guys don't run out of the room. When I'm singing. <laughs> and so, yeah, God has blessed me. And, and so, anyways, I was raised on these worship songs. And we, when we worship, um, hallelujah. Let's go back to Jesus because he knows what I'm talking about. I got off on a tangent there. And so here's the Samaritans and the Jews. And Jesus looks at this woman, and he says, the time is coming, indeed it is here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And so as I was pondering this, I thought, what does that mean, in spirit and in truth? Heard it my whole life. What does that mean, in spirit and in truth? So worshiping in spirit, it goes, to, it goes back to the Samaritans. The Samaritans considered God to be one of many. He was the God of land. He was the God of good harvest. He was the God of the rain. He just kind of fit in to their mode of worship, okay? He, they fit him in. You know, he was just one of the little gods sitting on a shelf, literally back then, you know. He was one of the things to do, okay? And so... They said, what difference does it make where we worship, how we worship? Why do we need so many laws anyways? Why can't we worship just how we want to? But when Jesus says worshiping in spirit and in truth, he says we need to be, he says we need to be less concerned with human ceremony and more focused on divine power and energy. He was looking at her, and she was trying to make this big old debate about the law versus what we were doing and everything, and he says, Guess what? I want you to do, he goes, you need to worship in spirit and in truth. He used, you need to be less concerned with the semantics of what men are doing and just give God your heart. Just give God your heart. You know, one of the things that we need to, un, that we need to ask ourselves, are we connecting with the Father? When we worship, are we connecting? You know, I went years without not knowing, without, you know, kind of rolling the dice, saying, yeah, maybe God will show up today, you know? Maybe God will show up, and, and maybe I'll feel him today. And it's like, God never intended that, and I didn't realize it until just recently, in the last several years, that, wow, it was my heart. God has been in the same place all the time, and this is, this is my heart. I need to surrender I need to set aside my pride and say, you know what, God, I don't care. I don't care. Now, I do care if I sound good up here, 
But when I'm down there, gosh, don't stand next to me because I'll be in harmony and then I'll be in melody, then melody, and I'll be up here and I'll be down there. And then I'll start to intercede and I'll start to pray. And, you know, there's different things happening. And it's my heart is connecting with the Father. And that's what he's asking. He wants us to, to worship in spirit with a connection. With the, with the innocence of a child, with, with that, that pureness that says, God, you and you alone, I don't care. I don't care. So we need to ask ourselves, are we connecting with the Father? Matthew Henry says, uh, he says, we must devote our own spirits to and express them in complete worship to God. Complete worship to God. We must worship him with constancy of thought and a flame of affection. That means he must be the center of our thinking, constant, constantly thinking of him. We need to be thinking of him when we worship. How many times do we come in and it's like, yeah, and we're thinking of this, or we're thinking of that. And it does take us a few minutes to leave everything at the door. I remember one time, is Amy in here? I remember one time, you know, my kids grew up. We pulled them into worship with us and into church service with us. And one time we had left the house. And Sunday mornings, you know, two teenage boys and a preteen daughter. And, you know, sometimes those Sunday mornings were a little hectic. You know, somebody's hanging out in the bathroom way too long. And, you know, ugh. just saying my kids are normal. And I got to say, hey, they turned out good, so thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Sometimes we were, we, we were worried. <laughs> we didn't, because we didn't know, because our kids were normal teenage kids. And we got in the car, I remember, I, I, I think we were in the van. I don't remember if we were in the van that far along, or the truck. But we got in the vehicle, and we were all riding together. So it must have been before the boys were driving, because they would never ride with us after they got their driver's licenses and their, and their cars. And, we, and it's like, you know... They're griping at each other, and John's like, you guys need to just stop it now, you know, the normal stuff. So we hit, you know, there's like silence as we hit the, we crossed um, over the bridge. And it's like the, the, the vehicle is just silent. And so we pull into the driveway. We pull into the church. And Dad turns the car off, and Amy was, you know, I don't know how old, little, little back then, younger, and she said, okay, smiles, everyone. <laughs> and it broke, it broke it, you know. It broke the mood. It's like, okay. And, but sometimes it's hard to leave that stuff outside. Sometimes it's hard to leave it at the, those sanctuary doors and to come in and really have a heart ready for God. So that's why we do a couple, a couple songs to get us in the, in the mood to worship, to get us geared around, to get our hearts and our minds focused. You know, and there's sometimes when I'm worshiping, when, when we're going, and then all of a sudden, I feel it. I feel my spirit just come in alignment with what God wants to do. And it's like, okay, here we go. All right, God, you are, you're here. And I mean, he was here. He's always here. But it's like, okay, my spirit is in alignment with what he wants, okay? My spirit can feel this, okay? We click in. It's time. And, and we have to put ourselves in that mindset that we're going to go there. You know, because a lot of times we just come in and it's like, oh, well, you know, well, it's 11.22. How long is she going to go? You know, we think that. We think that. But when Jesus says we want to worship in spirit, that means constancy of thought. He, it's only you, me and you, because where are we going right now? You're a captive audience. I mean, you could leave, but you know, this is what you've chosen to do on Sunday morning. You might as well give it 100%. We might as well give it 100% and just see, just see what God wants to do. You know, come in with a heart of expectancy. Constancy of thought, flame of affection, He's the lover of my soul. I love him more than God. You know, I said that one time to the kids in children's church. I said, you need, sometimes we need to love God more than you love your parents. And I could hear them. I could feel them kind of go, what? You know, how do you do that? How do you love God more than my mom? How do I love God more than my husband? I didn't know. I didn't understand that for the longest time until he met me. And it's like, oh, okay. 
And if you haven't experienced that, you need to go for that. You need to ask him. You need to seek him. You need to run towards him spiritually. What does that mean? That means get set aside time. Be intentional to worship. To worship. That was the biggest key in me finding and having this, my encounters with God. Is if I, I put in the headphones, it's like it's 4 o'clock in the morning. Nobody's up. Why are you putting in headphones? Because my brain needs the headphones. I need that echoing through, back and forth. Because if I have the headphones out, then other stuff wants to come in. You know? And just focus, focus, focus. And I started with half an hour. And then I moved up to 45 minutes. Then I moved up to an hour. And then I moved up to an hour and a half. Because it wasn't enough time. Because God was meeting with me. Because as I worshipped him, I would turn on worship music. I would turn on music that spoke to my heart. I would turn on music that would just take me, that I could sing, and that I could just focus on him. Constancy of thought. My mind was focused 100% on him. And he met with me and continues to meet with me. And it has rewritten, rewritten my spiritual DNA. It has made me a new person literally has made me a new person. And it's not like I was a bad person to begin with. I'm telling you what, there's more to be had. There's more to be had with your relationship with God. We must come to him with all that is within us. God will not compete with other things in our lives. He expects us to put him first. He won't compete. He'll take a back seat and say, well, do what you got to do because he wants to be first. He needs to be first. And so when you're ready to put me first, then we'll go there. So that's worshiping him in spirit. Then worshiping him in truth means worshiping with great sincerity. God requires not only the inward part of our worship, but truth in the inward part. We must mind the the power more than the form. We must pay attention to the power. We must understand that there's power in what we do. Worshiping him in truth. We're drawing near with a true heart. We aim at God's glory and not to be seen by men. We aim at God's glory and not to be seen by men. A lot of times people are like, oh, I don't want to raise my hands because what do people think of me? You know, they're not even looking at you. You are not that important. Sorry. Not sorry. You're not that important. I mean, you are to God. But you know, you know what I'm saying? You know, everybody's looking at me. Everybody's not looking at you. And it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter because, like I said, I worship him. I sing for him. You know, and that's the thing about our worship team is that we've been able to, if we hash it out, we work it out in our private lives first before we come up on stage. And that's why it makes it a little, we get a little cringy, I don't know, cringy, I don't know. We get, feel a little funny when everybody, when you clap after a song. Because it's like, we don't want, to, we don't want you to think that you're clapping for us. You're not clapping for us. Because we don't do it for man's glory. We are inviting you into our personal worship time. This is our worship time that we do. Our job is to just hold open, you know, the Holy of Holies. Hold open the curtain into the Holy of Holies. That's our job. We're holding open that curtain so that you can step in. So that you can move on in to his presence. We're not here to perform for you. We're here to set the atmosphere so that God can heal, so that God can restore, so that God can save, so that God can break off bondages, so that you can leave transformed. But what also has to happen is you, on your part, you have to step in with the right heart, in spirit and in truth. And a lot of times we, we don't get that, you know, a lot of times people, I, I see it, people don't get that, that it's their job too, your job too. All right. Hebrews 10.22 says, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully 
trusting in him. One version, I think, says, let us go boldly into the throne of grace. Let's go right on in, right on in. You know, that's one thing that I do is I use my imagination and um, I turn on worship music and I use my imagination that I am walking up into the throne room. And in my mind's eye, that's where I'm going. And I've done it enough times that I can train my, I've, I've been able to train my mind. At first, my mind was like, all over the map. It's like a two-year-old. This and there, you know. But I've been able to train my mind to like, you know, I'm going to focus on God. I'm going to focus on him. Then I have something come up. you got to do this. Okay, you know what? Thanks for reminding me for that. I'm going to pray for that. God, please, please make sure that I remember to do that today. Or if I have to write a note, that's fine. And then right back there. You know? And those distractions come less and less and less. You're going to go right into the presence of God, boldly into the presence of God, sitting on the lap of our heavenly father. He's a heavenly father. He wants to hug us. He wants to love us. He wants us to sit up on his lap and just to enjoy, just to worship, enjoy the atmosphere of heaven. And that's just, that's insane when you think about it. But it, it's, it's, it's doable. I'm telling you, it's doable. It's what God wants. Hallelujah. So we go right into the presence of heaven. One of our examples, I need to move on. One of our examples is David. David is a great example because here he is in the Old Testament without the Holy Spirit. Um, he's the least of the least of his family and kind of even rejected and an afterthought, but yet he captured God's heart. He became, not only did he become king of Israel, but God made sure that his lineage would carry the Christ child. Oh, am I done? Okay. Almost. Carry the Christ child. Mary was a direct descendant of David. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Mary was a direct descendant of David. And so Jesus was a direct descendant of David as well. And he captured, if David can capture God's heart without the Holy Spirit in, in the midst, like we have Holy Spirit, you know, book of Acts, Holy Spirit came down, dwells on the earth. We have, thank God, we have the Holy Spirit here. He didn't, and yet he was able to connect with God. First thing he did as a king was he put, he established 24-7 worship around the Ark of the Covenant. He said, the temple of God, we are going to be worshiping all the time. Levites, you make it happen. They go, okay. You know, they had to make it happen because he understood that God was worthy to be praised, that God was worthy to worship. He, that's why he was called a man after God's own heart. Hallelujah. And that's why we get scriptures like this. Great is the Lord, and he is most worthy of praise. Give thanks to the Lord. He is good. His faithful love endures forever. And this is just a scratch in the surface of everything that David wrote. You know, he wrote, he wrote psalm after psalm after psalm, proclaiming God's goodness, you know. He wrote psalm after psalm saying, God, where are you? But you know what? This, all this garbage is happening in my life, but you know what? You're still good. You're still good. You know, my enemies are pursuing me, and I would really appreciate it if you took care of them, but you know what? You're still good. And he kept that right heart. And he may have, may have, may have gone a little bit off the rails, but he came right back in. Why? Because he had that heart for God. If he could do that without the presence of the Holy Ghost, we can do it on a daily basis. There's no excuse for us to not to be able to tap in because he wired us that way. I'm going to say that again, because he wired us that way. He wired us to worship, okay? I can't get off that. Some of you say, well, I'm not wired that way. Get that out of your mind. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Take it out, throw it away. God wired you. You are made in the likeness of Christ. You are made to worship. And I know there's a scripture in here somewhere. I'm not real sure where it is. But it, there's a scripture in there that talks about Jesus. Oh, at the end of the Last Supper, they sang. They sang a hymn. They sang before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to, to contend. <laughs> he worshiped. He worshiped. Good enough for Jesus? Good enough for me. Let's worship. Hallelujah. So, Chris Tomlin, who is a uh, 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 
Christian artist, but he's more than a Christian artist. He's a deep worshiper. He says, worship is different from any other concert. It's your soul connecting to God. Worship is eternal. Worship is instrumental in helping us to process the grace of God. You know, we look at our, the lyrics. I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. Look at those lyrics. What does that mean? That means that I can be grateful. I can, I, <laughs> oh, well, I can give the devil a black eye is what it means. Hallelujah. Let's look at this one. Psalms 8-2. I'm like all over the place on my notes. If you haven't decided, figured that out by now. Psalms 8-2 in the Passion Translation. He says, you have built a stronghold by the songs of children. Strength rises up with the chorus of infants. Now, look at this. Same scripture next verse. This kind of praise has the power to shut Satan's mouth. Say that with me, to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. What does that mean? That means that you put that shield of faith up. You, that means that it makes your armor resilient. You worship. It just kind of helps to put this super worship coating on it. And the madness of those who oppose you, whether spiritually or physically, it'll just bounce right off of you. Why? Because we're children of praise. Because the praise has the power to sh shut Satan's mouth. Shut Satan's mouth. That little voice on the inside of your head that says you're not worthy of God's praise, shut up. I am too because I live in the power of Jesus. His righteousness is my righteousness. That little, that little voice back there that says, hey, you're not, you know, you're not this or you're not that or you're less than, guess what? Let's just say, <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you got to hear my praises roar, right? Those, those voices start coming into your head, just sing it. Sing it out. If you can, sing it out loud. Sometimes I get in trouble. I don't get in trouble, but I get myself, you know, it's like I'm at school and I'll be thinking I have a song running through my head. And every once in a while, I'll, I'll catch myself getting ready to like sing out loud. You know, it's like, you got a class full of students. <laughs> That's what I, yeah, they need it too. Some of them, oh, I'm telling you what, high school is a new thing, <laughs> but it's awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. The version commentary on this scripture, it says, there, are, there may be a vast difference between the glory of the heavens and the little mouths of children and babes, yet by both the majestic name of the Lord is revealed. It is amazing that perfected praise do not rise to God from the cherubim or seraphim, but from children and babies, the weakest of humanity. Childlike worship childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. Shut the mouths of the lions. Shut those mouths of those that would say things against you. I'm the child of the king. Shut the mouths. You know, like Daniel in the lion's den, you know, he, he still had to go into the lion's den. But I'm going to tell you, you can't, you can't tell me that he did not worship God. When he realized that he hit the floor and was still alive and he wasn't dinner, you cannot tell me that he didn't just lift his hands and say, oh, hallelujah, <laughs> yeah, you know, that he didn't sing a hymn or two. I'm sure he did. And it's because he had a lifestyle of prayer and worship that went before him. Hallelujah. Worship gives us a different atmosphere. It changes the spiritual atmosphere. We, knew, we see this with the, the life of Saul, the King Saul, where he invites David in, and David, you know, chases away the evil spirits and everything that are oppressing him. All Saul had to do was repent. He really, all he had to do was repent. And he could have had that, he, he, he could have had those spirits just leave, from, leave him, but he didn't. And he had David come in. But when David sang, it changed the atmosphere of the room, and it brought peace to everyone in the room. One man brings peace to everyone in the room. 
God has called us to change the atmospheres around us and bring peace into our everyday situations. And we can accomplish this through worship. This is why you feel peaceful at church, yet when you go home or when you leave, the peace can be gone. God wants you, you, to change the atmosphere of your homes. And one way to do that is to take, let's take inventory. What are we watching on TV? What are we listening to? What are we confessing? What are our kids listening to? I'm telling you what, I've heard today's music. Nope, not good at all. Not good at all. My music wasn't that great, but not good. Today's music is in your face, and that carries a spirit with it sometimes. And we need to, we need to be screening our kids' music. Um, what sets the atmosphere of your home? Do you put on worship music in your home and to set the atmosphere? Worship can change the atmosphere. We will never have breakthrough and freedom in corporate worship until we press into worship in our one-on-one -on -one time with God in our secret place. And we need to make time for this because it will change your life. Let me say this again. You need to make time for this because it will change your life. Um, Gabriel and Katie, when they first got saved, um, you know, they said that they would come in and they would come into church and they would want to worship. They would want to lift their hands and worship, but there was this like, it was so awkward. It was so foreign. It was so like, you know, uncomfortable basically because it was not normal. So they decided, you know what, we're going to press through. We're going to, we're going to practice. So what they did was they started, they would put the boys to bed. They would turn on YouTube and they would get through that awkwardness. They got through the awkwardness of lifting their hands in their living room. And they would laugh at each other and they would, you know, it's like, oh my God. But they got through it and they kept pressing through it because she said there was one thing that she would come in and she would see on our faces how it was just wonderful, how the freedom, we had such freedom to worship God. And like we were meeting with God and she felt like they said, they felt like they were missing out on something. They were missing out on what God had for them by not, you know, by refusing to lift their hands, you know? And so she said, we started, you know, of course you start low, put your hands on the back of the chair. And then it's like, you know, yeah, tap a little bit. And then it's like, you ready? And then pretty soon it's this. And pretty soon it's this, and then this. Eyes are closed, faces towards heaven. Don't care. We don't care. We don't care. And it brings freedom. It brings freedom. And practicing at home prepared them to come into corporate. And it not only does that give them freedom, but then it ch chips away at what's going on in the corporate level. And it opens heaven just a little bit more. And it opens heaven just a little bit more. A couple more angels joined that day that you lifted your hands. <laughs> a couple more angels sang a little louder in rejoicing with you as you were worshiping and you were praising God. Worship clears and opens the heavens and produces an atmosphere conducive to revelation. It helps us to understand what is being preached more. It helps us to understand scripture more. When we clear out all the gunk in our spirit and in our minds, it helps us to hear God's word on a deeper level. Worship helps us to hear God's word and to understand God's word on a deeper level. Worship gives us the strength to fight, the courage to face our struggles, and literally changes our spiritual DNA. So we can live out John 10. Jesus said, I came to give you life, and to give you life more abundantly. How many of you got, you know, my life started changing when I took an inventory of my life and realized this is not what God had in store when he said life more abundantly. And I'm not there yet, and God, I want to know how to get there. And he said, worship. He said, get up in the morning and worship. And I said, what? He said, get up in the morning and worship. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> but God, you know. And now it's my life. Four o'clock in the morning. 
I work all day. What? His grace is sufficient. And that's what I found is that his grace is sufficient. I give him his time, and he just, he helps me throughout the day. He helps me throughout the day. His grace is sufficient. You will never regret giving him time. You won't regret it if you give it in spirit and in truth. Completely devoted to him. All right. Worship takes us right into his presence. In book of Revelations chapter 5, we see this. We see the presence of God. We see the, 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 the heavens opened up, and John gives us this revelation of what heaven is like. And so in the book of Revelations chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, is just a wonderful picture. It says, Every creature was in, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that are in the sea, and that are all in them, and all that are in them, I heard them saying, so every living thing, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. This is our destiny. This is our destiny. And this is within our reach before we get to heaven. We are spiritual beings. We will worship him in spirit. And this is what I'm talking about. As the worship team lifts open the veil, as we open up the door to the presence of God, will you step through? Will you step through into a, better, into a greater dimension? Will you make a commitment to say, yes, I am going to give him time. I want him in my life. And maybe you're here and you don't know him. Maybe you're here and you have no idea what I'm talking about. You know what, guys, come on up. Worship team, come on up. You have no idea what we're talking about. You know what, today could be the wonderful day for you, not only to hear, but to receive what God has for you today, which is salvation. Can you bow your heads for, for just a minute? We are not, no, any, we are not any, anywhere near being finished because we have a little bit. But let's let give God some time. Let's give God some time this morning. Let's set aside the things of man. And let's allow Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. If you're here and you have not ever received God into your life, you don't know what it means. The sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, you don't know what that means. You don't know what it means to be saved. And you want God a daily part of your life. Can you raise your hand this morning? Can you raise your hand this morning? Oh, yes. We see those hands. We see those hands. Say, I don't know Jesus. I don't know God. I want to know God on a more personal level. I want to know God closer. The Bible says that Jesus lives in our heart. And you thought, I don't know if he lives in my heart. Well, you know what? Today you can come here. You can say a prayer. And you can come up. And we'll call you up here in just a few minutes. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But lift your hand if you want to say a sinner's prayer. If you want more of God in your life, lift your hands. You want more of God in your life, lift your hands. Hallelujah. You want to know him on a personal level. Maybe you know, have known, you know what, you're saved, but you need to come up a level. You need to come up a level in worship. Hallelujah. You need to come up a level. Maybe you want more. He's like, God, I have this desire. I need, I need more. I need more. You know that meme that says you need Jesus just to go to Walmart. We need God. We need him in our life. We need more. We need more of him. Let's give him reverence. Let's give him praise. We're going to sing a worship song this morning. And, and if you want more, if you, if number one, if you need, you want to say a sinner's prayer, there's going to be people up here to pray with you and to guide you through a prayer and to pray with you. But then also you want more in your worship. I want to challenge you to come on up, to come on up and do business with God in this altar area, to contend for more contend for more. Will you stand with us? Glory to God. Hallelujah. on the worship and the ministry team. You need to worship with us.
need to watch for people, but then you also need to contend with us. Hallelujah, Jesus, we glorify your name, we magnify your name. Hallelujah, let's lift our hands and sing. Here is where I lay it every burden, every crown. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. And I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. You want to, and I will make room for you. Do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to. Oh, come on down. Let's contend together. Let's contend as a family. As a spiritual family, let's contend for more. More of His presence. More of His glory. Here is where I lay it down. Every burden, every crown. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every lie and every doubt, this is my surrender. And I will make room for you to do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to.
do whatever you want to and I will make room for you to do whatever you want to to do whatever you want to God is looking for people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. He's looking to bring our worship into alignment with what his will and his purpose for this time in history. He wants to have a great awakening. He wants to pour out his spirit. And in order to do that, he must have he, he must have people ready to receive. He must have people ready to contend. We are those people. Amen. We are those people. We say, God, here we are. We make room. We make room for you right now in our service. We make room for you in our lives. God, we put you first. We put you first. All he needs, all he needs are people that are willing to step into his presence. Step into his presence and let him do what he wants to do. People who will submit themselves to his will and his divine purpose and who aren't afraid to step into the heavenly realms of his glory. Can we sing that bridge again? Can we sing that bridge again? We shake up the crowd of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. Oh, sing it up this morning. Your way is better. Shake it up, Lord. Shake it up. Shake up the crown of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. just lip service but with heart service to set aside to break down those walls to set aside religion it's not a religious exercise but it is a heartfelt sincere holy worship to the one that is holy not when we have time but because we have to because we need to because so much more is available you're leaving you're leaving so much spiritual currency on the table by not pressing in by not pressing in hallelujah you want your kids to live for god teach them how to worship you want your grandkids to live for god make your kids teach them how to worship <laughs> bring them to worship they need to worship because they need to know that is one of our prime focuses of children's church right now is teaching your children how to worship how to have spiritual authority how to have spiritual dominion how to change their atmospheres why because they need it their lives literally depend upon it hallelujah glory to god before we go let's take an evaluation of what we've learned forever the school teacher If you don't leave a service, when you leave a service, from now on, what I don't want you to say is, oh, my favorite singers didn't sing. Or, oh, I didn't, they didn't sing my favorite song. Or, oh my God, a new song again. But say, did I touch heaven? Did I step in to the realms of glory? What can I do better next time? 
How can I go farther next time? God, how can I have more of you? How can I have more of you? He's a loving, heavenly father. He's a good, good father with our best interests at mind in his heart. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, we just love you. We worship you. We glorify your name. And I thank you, God, that you would solidify this, galvanize this into our spirits and into our hearts, God. Let us not forget, God, that you are so worthy. You are so worthy of our praise. Oh, God, show us more. Show us more of you, I pray, as we go in Jesus' name. Our, our ministry team is still up here, so if you need, you need anything, you want to pray, you, want, you need uh, healing. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.